In my last newsletter piece, I talked about how customers and community aren't the same thing. I'll have a link to the article in the show notes. My inspiration for that article was a tweet from the team at Coffee Black regarding their IRL coffee space, the Anti-Gentrification Coffee Club. With that fresh in my mind, I decided to pull this episode from the archives. It aired in July of 2020, so you can learn more about Coffee Black and its founders Renata Henderson and Bartholomew Jones. This re-air is a little bit longer than most recent Boss Barista episodes, so I just want to jump right in. But I also want to promote two projects from Coffee Black first, since you won't hear about them in the re-air since it's from the archives. One is a limited edition sneaker that they've released to fund a cross-global coffee exchange. And the other is a documentary the team made released in March of 2022. You can find links to all of those in the show notes. You can also find links to those at the newsletter, bossbarista.substack.com. You can watch the documentary by joining Patreon and just keep an eye on their Instagram account for tour dates to watch the documentary. Here we go. Hey friends, this is Boss Barista. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. I'm honored to have two guests on the show today, Bartholomew Jones and Renata Henderson of Coffee Black. To say that Coffee Black is a coffee roasting company is an understatement. Coffee Black is a brand, an educational platform, a music outlet, an informative podcast, connecting the ancestral history of coffee to modern day. Renata and Bartholomew, who are married and raising two children in Memphis, didn't just aim to start a business, but set off on a mission to impact social change. The coffee plant was stolen from Africa in 1616 by two Dutch spies. Three years later, the first stolen black bodies landed in Jamestown, Virginia. These two sentences are written on the back of each bag of Gucci Mane, an Ethiopian coffee from the Sadama region that Coffee Black sells on their website. In this episode, we talk a lot about intent, history, and self-knowledge. Both Renata and Bartholomew tie their own personal histories and the colonial history of coffee to the current state of the industry, and they challenge how we view and consume coffee today. For so many people, the memories of coffee they have growing up, as an occasion to gather with family and share stories, doesn't match up with what the specialty coffee landscape actually looks like. This episode is about making connections, both the tangible, like what does it mean when the specialty coffee industry doesn't reflect the experience of its members, in particular black people from who coffee was stolen from, and abstract connections, like how identity and life experience manifest in the art and creative endeavors that we take on. Coffee Black is a creative enterprise, and much of that energy comes from the connection and freedom of expression that Renata and Bartholomew have made together. So here's our conversation. I didn't know if we needed to press anything, but that's cool. We're live. Oh, yeah, we're live. We're here. We're doing it. Uh, can that's I have cool. both of you introduce yourselves? Yeah. Yes. So I am Renata Henderson. I don't have any cool stage names like my husband, um, but I do um, 
by day I work with uh, early childhood centers and train and families um, and by any other time of the day I do calligraphy. Um, I go by brown girl lettering. I am on Instagram. I have a website but it needs some work so don't go to it. <laughs> uh, so yeah that's me. Okay dope. Um, yeah, and I'm uh, Bartholomew Jones. Uh, that's my that's my preferred name. Um, and Bernada is my wife, and I, I consider myself the co-founder of Coffee Black. My wife founded it with me. She's the first one that ever. She was our first investor. She bought uh, my first espresso machine, the first yes. Christmas of our wedding. Um, I invested when we first met too. We can get back to that. Yeah, we can talk. It about was that a four dollar investment. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, let's talk about that. Okay, yeah. Let's go back. Well, let's finish your introduction. Oh yeah, so I'm a I'm an educator, I'm an MC, and I'm a coffee nerd. Um, and so uh, yeah, I, I really just am excited and passionate about um, coffee as a means for like eradicating poverty and creating general generational wealth in um, Black families in the diaspora. So yeah, that's what that's what I'm excited about doing. That's awesome. Um... I'm actually really excited. It it seems silly to like say these things while we're on air because we've like spent 20 minutes talking before we even pressed record. Mm -hmm. But I feel like <laughs> the need to express how excited I am to talk to both of you because I've been listening to the Coffee Black podcast. Um, and it's one of the only podcasts I've listened to more than once that I've had to rewind and be like, wait a minute, hold on, let me write this down. <laughs> um, because there's good. so much like good information in there that I don't think it's talked about a lot in coffee. And I'll, we'll, we'll talk about that definitely. But I want to go back to what uh, Bartholomew, you said earlier about how Renato is kind of like your first investor. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about how you two met and how you two coming together kind of inspired Coffee Black or at least helped uh, launch launch this brand for you. Yes. Um, so you want to go first or I want to go first? I don't know. I, it, whatever we do, it has to be abbreviated. Okay. So we told the story the other day and literally <laughs> it took three hours and I don't think you have space for a three hour podcast. Yes. <laughs> we could just so, do like this in like stages. Like we'll just drop yeah, it in a whole new season. Like, bases like yep. first base second base <laughs> yeah okay uh long story short long long story short <laughs> i met renata at my first hip-hop show after graduating from college yeah. um and we met i did my performance we had both just gotten out of like really uh kind of toxic relationships and we're in that stage where people of faith kind of get into where they're like I just want to focus on God. I don't want to date anyone. Like I just need well, to... he was there. I think I was okay. So she wasn't there. I was definitely like I just want to focus on God. I was like I, I want to focus on God with a man. Yeah, <laughs> I was like I want to focus on God. I just graduated, just moved back to Memphis, so I was really big on like I wanted to change my communities through education and um, through the arts because I was a hip hop artist, and so that was kind of my big focus. But um, when we got off stage, um, she ended up coming up and talking to me, and I don't really remember exactly what we talked about. I, I don't, yeah, no, I don't remember exactly. But he had these download cards yes. that he had made, and he was selling. And I really, I was just trying to get a foot in the door. I just wanted to talk to him. And so, you know, he showed me the card, and I was like, "Yeah, how much are you?" He was like, "A dollar." And I was like, "Okay, cool. I only have a five. And uh, so he said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll take a five. Yeah. And I was like, uh, <laughs> "I'll take my change." Like, and so to this day, like seven, 
what was it seven years ago? Seven years later, he has not paid me my four dollars. Oh let it be put on record. <laughs> but yeah, that that definitely was you know that was was the first investment. Yeah, that was she. So she knows four dollars. <laughs> first investment. The four dollars like, uh, are what launched this brand. Yes, definitely. But no, she would always, she just made me feel. So one thing you got to know about growing up in, um, I get growing up in the hood is that coffee is normal. Like coffee is normal. It's a ritual to be able to like, be able to drink it. Um, and mama's brew talked about this too, right? Where it's like being able to drink coffee is like almost like a sign of moving out of childhood. So It's a part of our community. My, my wife's family has a beautiful story about their connection with coffee and legacy and all of that. But for us, it's one of those things where like coffee shops were very, were very much so like white things. You know what I mean? Um, so a coffee shop was very much so different than um, going to a, uh, like just going to your house and drinking some culture. So coffee shops were kind of like a weird space where I always felt like like the weird black guy in there uh, because there just weren't other black people. But my wife, Renata, has always been um, just this big person who normalized being black in coffee spaces for me. So like our first date, I had been going to all these coffee shops. And at the time, I was very excited about um, going to coffee shops and have, trying to figure out who had the best espresso. Uh, specifically who had the best lattes with no flavoring because I was excited that I could like drink lattes with no flavoring. And so I, our first date, like she emailed me, we ended up talking back and forth and I was like, hey, do you like coffee? Uh, And she said, yes. And um, I was like, yo, I know a spot that has the best lattes in town, which I would never take anybody to this spot now. I'm so ashamed that I thought that was good. We won't even say the name. No, don't say the name. (laughs) But to me, her saying as a black woman saying yes i'll go here with you yes i'll experiment with in this with you yes i'll try this weird thing that you're into made me feel like it was okay to be black in that space and she's just done that our whole marriage like there's like if there if renata wasn't there like saying yes and like telling me that i'm not crazy and like like normalizing these things even before i knew coffee was historically black like my wife made it relationally black you know what i mean she made it safe to be black and like coffee even if it was just like me and her you know like she never criticized me or questioned me or made me feel and that's a that's a thing because it's like kind of socially deviant to be really but i've always been a weirdo you know but like as a kid you know but like my wife made it so normal and so like from there the yeah he was he was wearing a trench coat when we met and it was like july so. i was like really in my like indie <laughs> rapper bag like i was skinny i thought then. it was so cute i was like oh well, <laughs> this guy is a cutie yes i was like all the way in my like weird indie you know blog yeah, he, rap he was bag like, yeah. it was like trench coats and backpacks and boots committed and, i don't know <laughs> um, where do you think that that comes from that like ability to like create comfort in a situation that could like potentially be uncomfortable like you mentioned like by yourself you were like i'm not going to do this but together you're able to kind of create that sense of like this is where i'm going to go here because this is where i want to go well i think for me i was willing to do it like i was doing it but i didn't feel like it was black if that makes sense like to me it felt like me doing a weird thing that black people don't do but when my wife and she can speak to what it is about her that gave her like a more inclusive 
vision of blackness. But when my wife said, yes, I'll do this with you, it made me feel like, oh, this could be a community thing. It's not just something that weird, you know, Maurice likes. And so, I mean, kind of to preface the whole like $4 incident, like when I met him, he was a breath of fresh air. And so compared to some of the polluted air I had been breathing before. And so to meet him and to hear like, these were the things that he was invested in, he was committed to, I was automatically in. Um, and I, because those were the things that made him him. And so for me, I mean, it, it, it kind of comes from like how I was raised. My mom was always a big, like mm-hmm. whatever I wanted to pursue, she was behind it. She was a cheer, like the biggest cheerleader in my entire life. And so, you know, I definitely learned that from from her, but also just like understanding like this is what comes with him. And it's like a great package. It's not just like, you know, he's not just like saying, Hey girl, like I'll give you the world, just just you know, like just coming with empty promises and um I don't know, just like this this lame persona, but he was very much so a person of substance and I was just like, Man, like I I want to invest in whatever makes you you and so it made it easy. I was like, of course. I mean, and, and he at the same time invested in things at the time. I mean, and I still am. I think I actually am more now interested in um, directing. Oh, yeah. We got doing, a music video dropping Yeah, we got a music directed. video dropping tomorrow that, that we both kind of yeah. co-filmed, co-directed. Um, but I was totally into just like playwriting and directing and all that kind of stuff. And um and he was very much so interested in that. And so on our first date, he uh, pulled out his phone and turned on the song and said, hey, so what What would you do to this song? Like, what what kind of uh, video would you make from this song? And so we just kind of sat there and just, like, dreamed together. And yeah. that was, I mean, that was our first time really talking to each other, like, talking, talking. And it was great because it was somebody who could dream with me. And so I think we both have been in a place since we've been dating been in a place where we've been free to dream and it makes you know it makes the things that we pursue that much more like worth it you know because it's like you know you have permission from the other person to do that like you and you don't even need the permission like that's just the standard yeah like we dream that's the norm you know we we are dreamers that's just what we do so that's pretty powerful to be in a in a marriage having this life that you've built for your like the for the two of you and then having a family and then being able to also be like let's also put our creative pursuits in this together um i've worked for a lot of coffee shops where the owners are married and that is never good um <laughs> so, but, but but it's so powerful to hear you two talk about like what about the two of you feeds into each other's like ability to dream and to pursue really interesting like creative endeavors. Um, And I think that speaks a lot to the intentionality behind Coffee Black, which I want to get into in a moment. Um, But Renata, I want to talk a little bit about um, your relationship with coffee and kind of how you grew up understanding coffee in your life. So my biggest relationship with coffee was with my grandfather. So my maternal grandfather. And he drank coffee every day. I don't remember not seeing him drink coffee. Um, And I learned recently as an adult that he had like a thermos that he would take with him to work. And he worked, he was actually a sanitation worker, um, which is, I'll I'll get to that part of the story as well. But like he worked there and then he worked with um, 
there's a utility company that's a, a huge monopoly here in Memphis called MLG and W, and um, he worked there as well, which for that time frame was actually a, a good accomplishment for his family financially. But I, from my earliest remembrance of coffee, um, he would always have a cup of coffee that was completely white, like <laughs> come all the sugar, all the cream. Okay, not coffee black at all. Um, and I would just look at it. I would just be just smelling the the flavors wafting up to my nose, and I'm just like, can I have some of it? And every like every every day, he would give me a sip of his coffee, <laughs> um, which is funny because you always hear, you know how like in black culture, it's like coffee coffee don't stunt your growth. Yeah, it's gonna coffee, make you co- short. Yeah. Make it, it'll either make you short or make you black, which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, and so there was always this fear in the back of my mind that I would be short, which I'm not sure if I would five nine and a half. Short and real black. And <laughs> I'll be a little, I guess, a little raisin person or something, but. Um, yeah, he will always let me try it. And it was never like, it was never a weird thing. Like, and I, I feel like my dad drank coffee for a little bit um, because he, he always worked night shifts. And so, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't ever like this weird thing. I will say as I've gotten older, um, the the experience as a black woman in, in specifically in coffee spaces is way different from experiencing that with my grandfather, yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm it's not as pleasant. Like people don't offer you, you know, offer you sips of their finest uh, lattes or their finest, you know, pour overs or whatever. Um, It's very much so if if you come in, who do you know? Who are you with? Like if I'm with my husband, people sometimes acknowledge my presence. Oh, we have to check folks. And he definitely, because for me, I, a little bit about me, I don't, I don't feel the need ever to prove myself. So if anybody ever asks me something, I will answer. But you're never going to see me walking into a into a room, like forcing people to see me because I don't. I believe if you are something, you don't ever have to tell somebody. Like if you're in my mind, if you're a sophisticated person or if you're intelligent, you don't ever have to say out loud, "I am intelligent" or "I," you know, yeah. "I am valuable" because you are. It's just who you are, and so with that belief in mind, I'm not going to walk in and beg somebody to talk to me. Mm. So for me, my experience has been, okay, I'm going in here. You're not saying anything. You don't, you don't get my presence. Like you lose that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, and it's been, I mean, but it makes for an experience where it's not united. Like we don't get to experience it together for a Mm -hmm. while. He would say, Hey, you want to go in? I'm like, no. Yes, you would go. (laughs) And I was like, no, I want to go in there. I didn't go. Are they going to say something to me this time? Yeah, that people just wouldn't even speak. People just wouldn't speak or they would come straight up to him and have a conversation. And, you know, I'm just standing there. And there were time, there were so many times where if I'm standing here and you guys are having a conversation, I would just walk away. I mean, because, <laughs> again, and I'm not, and I know there are certain, like, there are other types of women who probably would be like, well, well just say something. And, I, yeah, I get it. But for me, just, like, choosing which battles I'm going to fight and that's not one of them. Um, Or I guess it wasn't because we definitely have had some conversations since then. We, I've just had to like literally tell people, Hey, this is my wife or not. Hey, this is a person. Like, like, (laughs) like in the middle of a conversation, be like, yo, you didn't speak to my wife. 
Yeah. <laughs> to the point now that some people awkwardly are like, hey, Renata, how, how are you doing today? Which is a you whole know, like, other problem. It's a whole other conversation because <laughs> there's fear that I'm going to just like go off on them, which is very possible. But, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know where, where my attitude may take me. I'm very much so an angry black woman, but I am. And people are always like, I don't want to be there. I'm like, why? You right. can be angry. Come on but you're, I'm not a perpetually a angry emotion. black woman. Yeah. But I'm an angry black woman. I'm a happy black woman. I'm a sad, you know? So anyway, yeah, I think it's just been such an interesting world because it's very much so, you know, how, you know, how there's the whole James Brown, uh, the James Brown song is a man's world. Um, but it would be nothing without a woman or a girl, which is hilarious. That's, that song has always been funny to me, but like that's how coffee feels to me. Yeah, it's yeah. very much so. Like this is a this is a coffee man's world, which is a whole different. You know, it's like coffee nerds and snobs. It's like yeah. y'all y'all realize y'all are like really lame. Y'all like, <laughs> yeah, y'all are kind of nerdy, but you got your own world. I appreciate it, but that doesn't mean you can like write somebody out. Like you're doing the same thing. Yeah, you know so. Right. It, yeah, so all that say, like, it has been, it's been a journey from from sharing, you know, that 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 full of sugar, full of cream coffee with my granddaddy to like these third wave shops that claim to be, you know, the best inclusive, inclusive. Right. And, you know, we're about thinking. all these different people's rights, but you don't treat those people, you know, yeah. you don't treat those people like you are. So it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting journey i think we're now at like i'm at a place where i don't immediately get annoyed when he says hey i would like to go to a coffee shop for a day yeah you know i'm finally at a place where i don't get triggered and i don't because like i said like there are some people that i'm just like and i think i said something to one guy like so were you gonna say anything to me i can't remember what it was or but it was just kind of (laughs) like You know, or if I go in and I ask for something for like, because I generally at this point, I can't drink coffee because I'm getting old. And so it makes my heart palpitate. (laughs) Old and fine, though. I was like, I don't know how. I was about to say, I think the two of you are younger than me. So I was like, (laughs) but um, um, if you are close to my age, you can relate. But after that, it's true. It just kind of starts going Yeah, but so yeah, whenever I go to get him things, I have to validate it by saying, oh yeah, I'm getting this for Bart. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm just at a point where I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. Right. You going to remember me. You know? I'm yeah, just- and then the other problem where then people start trying to overcompensate because like right. I literally, can we curse on this? I don't know if you <laughs> You can say whatever you want. Yeah, so it's not cursing. Anyway, I just be having to check niggas like, yo, like you going to speak to my wife. And then people overcompensate and then they try to be her best friend, which is another, like, that's, if you know my wife, she's just like, I don't really know you like that. I just I wanted that. you to speak. You don't, please don't come over here and talk to me for 20 minutes about espresso extraction or like the latest Beyonce album. Like, I don't want to talk to you about that, you yeah, know? Just, but it's, I feel like people don't know genuine. how to interact with black women, especially in coffee shops. Like, it's, they just don't know what to do. So it's like being at a safari like on a safari and you encounter a lion that is dangerously close yeah. to your vehicle yeah. that you're in and you're trying to figure out do we drive away or do we stay calm right and drive away <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah that's how i feel like when i'm in it they're like oh my gosh there's an exotic animal you know yeah it's it's annoying and i think like i said like these conversations that we've had and then there are some like 
one shop that my husband worked at, like there was never an issue. Like, they were cool. They were super cool. It was, but they were skaters, though. I was like, it was a coffee slash skater shop, yeah. and everybody was like super chill, just yeah. like very respectful. You did come in there a lot. And I came I just, in there a lot because people were very just, just respectful. Normal. Yeah, they like, just. It wasn't people were humans before they were like. Before they were literally coffee anything professionals. Else. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Right. I feel like Even in the skater, like in there, in the space for skaters, like nobody ever looked at, I took the boys in there to watch them on the ramps and nobody would ever look at us like we didn't belong, like yeah. ever. They would always be like, and even one one point there was a guy who was like, you guys might want to go because they had music blasting and it was, they had like cuz words in it. And one guy was like, you might want to go into, into like this room that's back here at Soundproof. You know, like actually looking yeah. out for us, which is yeah. a whole different level, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like you 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 said so many interesting things in that um, in that story you told, and there are two that I kind of want to talk about. Um, the first one being that, like, you both co-own this business together, and yet people are talking to Bart maybe more than they are to you, Renata, um, mm-hmm. which is like a real thing that happens. Like, I I my partner is a coffee professional as well, and so mm-hmm. often, like, not to not to put him on blast, but like. I'm smarter than he is. Um, and so sometimes I'm like, why are you talking to him? Like, so, I've had I somebody... mean, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, you're good. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, for us, it's less about, it's established, which is smarter. Okay. There's, there's not a conversation. Yeah, my wife is definitely smarter. Okay. Yeah. But <laughs> um, I think we've kind of hit a flow. It's less of like, who's on the front. Because for me, a couple of things, like I like doing design. I do design for our coffee bags, for our apparel, things like that. I mean, like whatever you see on social media, like yeah. if you see it, I did it. Um, with the exception of maybe a couple of designs. If it's a Helvetica font, yeah, if it's <laughs> I a, got one font. <laughs> if it's Helvetica, he did it. Yeah. If it's anything, anything a else. little bit more creative. Yeah. <laughs> Even just slightly more creative is probably me. Yeah. Um. So I, I I do that, and then I like to do like behind the scenes. So since we've had um, since we've had kind of like a, a, a an uptick in in sales and all that, um, I've definitely been on fulfillment, uh, uh like customer service, human resources, which yeah. is a whole new world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's a different thing. And then also saying, I just remembered that. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. So she does so many. Yeah. Why is she teaching me how to sing? So any like coffee black music you hear where I'm singing, it's Jelly, my wife coaching me. And <laughs> any like harmonies or like any other melodic work that's had like Renata does up. And she does a lot of songwriting too. People yeah. don't know that. Yeah, yeah. But like I don't I we write songs together. Like I never really finish yeah. it. Cause whenever I write, I freestyle. So then I just go to her and be like, was this good? What should we well, change? Because yeah, so I mean really the flow that we kind of hit is like bart is like the face (laughs) and he like i mean because i'm not going to take away the fact that he's got words so like this man when we met like the way he proposed to me if i can go on a slight rabbit trail very slight i was teaching at a school he came up there's so much more context to this but we were in an auditorium and he started like freestyling about questions this whole like um this idea that questions um show the vulnerable side of you and like when you ask a question you're really placing yourself in the position to be truly seen by this person because you're saying things that you don't you may or may not know and I, like i don't know something that was deep and i was like ooh okay 
and you know, he just made this whole long like monologue. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it was uh, it was um, what 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 is it called? I think it was Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I'm blinging out. Um, uh, mom brain. But um, so he goes in this long thing, and then like he gets something out of his backpack and jumps down to where I was in the in the in the audience. I'm the only person. Um, <laughs> only person. <laughs> this was during during parent teacher conferences, it might is. I add. Yeah. So I don't know if there were parents in my room, but um, he jumps down and gets down on both knees and says, oh, "Will you marry me?" And I was like, "Are you for real? I thought you." wait, are you serious? You know, I was like, I thought you were just doing one of your normal, like, <laughs> random, crazy. random, yeah. you know, so he's got the words and I'm completely fine with that. And I think for him, as far as, as it pertains to coffee, talk to, talk to Bart. Yes. Um, as far as it pertains to like, even like, well, I definitely coffee. I think we've had a lot of opportunities recently to talk about, um, just racial injustices and like, you know, kind of some systemic uh, things that, that have been more on the front lines uh, here in Mm -hmm. America recently. And these are, those are things we talk about literally all the time. Like um, my, um, to go back to the conversation about my grandfather. So he was a sanitation worker during uh, the sanitation strike of 1963. And so he, when, when Dr. King heard about the strike, he came down um, and joined in the efforts with them. And um, that's been like a really big part of my family heritage. And family's huge. Like family is number one for me. Like that's, that's a big deal for me. When I met Bart, it was just like, uh, this is this is top priority. It was understood by both of us. Like yeah. this is you know family's priority, and so we were passed down this heritage. Like we did protests literally our entire lives. We were celebrating. We've been celebrating Juneteenth since we were like seven or eight. Like mm-hmm. you know we did we did Kwanzaa when we were younger. Like all that type those types of things that are now considered quote unquote woke, but it's just part of you know it's just a part of who you are. And I, I think my grandfather was a huge part of that. Uh, instilling that in his family and so you know for for us um that's something that I love to get a chance to talk about um and my husband and I really get like when we're when we're talking about it you can kind of you get a chance to kind of get a peek into like um like where that rooted where that was rooted and kind of like how that's impacting the ways that we're take the direction that we're moving our family Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the values that we're building based off of that. And so, yeah, that's, that, that's why, you know, if you're going to hear, and I also just prefer not to be in front of camera. I, like she would just be going off with, like she, I, my wife is someone who I just feel like speaking to her is a privilege and she would be, she'd be, she's so annoyed by so many I get people in college. <laughs> I'm just annoyed in general. I went yeah. up on a police officer one time. Yes, and I was like, "Baby, gonna die." It was Baby gonna die. I, but he, it was just something random. And I sometimes, oh, whoa, <laughs> technical <laughs> difficulties. Sometimes I don't know what may come out of my mouth because I can be super chill, like I'm super chill. But if if I feel triggered or if I feel like attacked, like I like just this is something that's very important to me and so if i feel attacked or i feel like somebody is being you know unjustly attacked or targeted i, I there's no stopping me yeah, <laughs> there's there's no stopping me 
it's interesting to hear like how something that I'd never connected with and like this is maybe a little bit um going backwards on something you said earlier was this idea that in a lot of cultures that like coffee is just like so much part of like your existence you're growing up and I say this um even for myself like I'm I'm Cuban so like coffee is everywhere in my family and even thinking about like bringing my grandfather I I bring my grandfather to like a specialty coffee shop I'd be like he he would have no fucking clue like what's going on here because this is not tailored for him and yet coffee like coffee is such a rite of passage for me for growing up like same thing like the first taste you get of coffee is like you as an adult and I was definitely told for a long time if I drank coffee it would stunt my growth which I'm (laughs) five eight so um, I don't know I don't know (laughs) it's 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 good to hear that it's like a thing that apparently like We all know. Um, But I think that's that's so interesting that like so much of like the way that we consume coffee isn't reflected in the way that we actually like project coffee on like the specialty side. So like at what point, like at what point did you take all these experiences and decide like, okay, like we're, we're making a coffee brand. Like this is what we're doing. Um, Well, I think for me, those experiences with my wife, like they were, they were, they were kind of happening at the same time as me. Like I, like for me, I've always been just like odd. So like being really into, you know, things that just weren't normal to be into in my neighborhood. And I guess like I would, like my homies in college used to call me like the hood hipster. Uh, And so like, like contextually, like I definitely grew up in Memphis and in the hood in Memphis, but also was just on a regular basis would be like, off doing things that other people weren't doing for multiple reasons. Number one is like the things that other people were doing, like a lot of times could lead to you dying. And I wasn't like, my, well, one, my mama wasn't going to let me do that. And, right. and, and then two, <laughs> um, I personally was like, I don't know, I don't know if I want to participate in this. Um, and then secondly, I think that's just kind of how I'm created. Like this how God made me is like just a weird person. Um, and I think it took somebody like my wife to be like, you know what? You might have something going on. Like that actually might be worth like investing in um so my weird obsession with coffee i think meeting my wife god bringing us together was really more it turning into like a weird specific interest of mine to like now this is a part this is reconnecting specialty coffee back to a family and then back to a community of families <laughs> and then back to a larger like race and ethnic group right in a in a, in a social political group um and connecting coffee's well-being to all those things so the resources and the experiencing experiences i was having in coffee much like when i went to college like i realized like wow there's this wealth of resources and experiences over here that are not present um in my in my family in my in my neighborhood and in my larger community and ethnic group and so i was like yo why is that you know why is there this dissonance between these things and as we you know did research we came upon you know kind of like the well-known fact at this point that coffee is black right it comes from a black nation and then it was proliferated into many black and it was proliferated into many black and brown communities uh through colonialism and so like then i realized okay for what what me my wife and i both know about how racism works how colonialism works is that 
it dehumanizes things. It strips identity away from things and then recasts them or whitewashes them as indigenous to the colonizer's culture or anything valuable becomes synonymous with the culture of the colonizer. And so then, therefore, it causes the indigenous people to see a dissonance between themselves and their own resources, <laughs> right? And so, like, we're, like, seeing a dissonance between ourselves and coffee, you know, even to the point to where we say don't drink too much coffee, it'll make you black, you know what I mean? It'll literally make your skin darker, which we also internalize this idea of it being bad. So, like, for us, these things obviously are are are, are uh, idiosyncrasies that need to be rectified. And so we're like, we got to. Like, there has to be something we can do about this. And so in my own identity and in our own family, in our family unit, we have seen coffee become very uh, normalized because I'm a rapper, because my wife's a singer, because we're both educators, because we're both people of faith, because we're both in our actual community. We moved into the hood together. We talked about that on our first day, too. I was like, look, we ain't going to have no big house. I want to move in the hood and do work. She was like, oh, yeah, I already planned on doing that. Uh, again, my wife is smarter than family. me. Uh, <laughs> she was like, I'm already doing that. Um, <laughs> so like, I thought I had found this really cool idea. But, like, so like, we're, it was a part of our integral as we're like, mentoring young black and black women and black and brown women and black and brown men and discipling people and like raising our children and working on education reform we're making pour overs at the house and well i'm making pour overs trying to convince my wife to drink the pour over uh, <laughs> do you taste these notes um and yeah i'm I, at the same time as like i'm recording raps in my house and listening to the new kendrick lamar album and like all these things are happening in the same space and it's like wow this is really beautiful what if we could proliferate this on in other households and in other spaces in our community where it's not something that has to be seen from the colonizers lens but something that can be reclaimed and then reintroduced back just as a part of our life. Yeah, as what it actually is. As what it actually is and what it should be. And I think the the my wife touched on something really beautiful. She was like, our our marriage has been built on dreaming. I think Renata, even at that show, I'm at this show trying to like get my little dream out. I'm trying to like live my life as a as a weird indie rapper in the middle of a city that has a ton of like gangster rap and also trying to like get my little gangster rap vibe on in the middle of a bunch of weird hipsters who are like, we don't really get, you know, what's going on with this dude either. Like, why is he kind of, why is he so aggressive? So like, and my wife sees that and gives me room and permission to do that. And then that initiates a, a cycle where we do this for each other. And this is the, and, and the reason why we do this, because at the end of the day, we both, this is the experience we have with our creator, with God, is that he's giving us permission to be who we were meant to be and not to have to conform to other people's quote unquote sugar and cream. You know what I mean? And so just having the notes we have and being celebrated for those. And so like, go ahead, Beth. I mean, and that when you create, it's, I always think of being made with purpose. Yeah. I know some people aren't of the thought that, you know, there is no purpose. There right. is, I mean, which they're entitled to that. Um, but I think in creating and in having a creator, uh, the purpose that we're made with is what we should therefore make with. So yeah. like we are there, we are made with purpose. So we should therefore make with purpose. And so the things that we do, the conversations that we have, uh, the art that we uh, take part in uh, and create should have purpose and have a deep meaning um, and, and build into the identity of the people that, 
uh, that it is for. Yeah, and I think specifically <laughs> you saw, we touched on this earlier, but having a why for what you're doing and seeing like, okay, we're doing coffee not just to tell people, hey, come try this coffee, yeah. but we're doing coffee with the, with the reasoning in mind that, oh, this is for you to reclaim and then use as a resource to achieve your purpose in your life. Yeah. Right. So like this has a utility for you that we have Which is, identified. It's like, so funny. I think I think it's such a needed that's such a needed um um ideology for people to claim or to to really commit to 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 understanding is that and I'm let me let me get my thoughts together. In thinking about the way that I've talked to other people about Coffee Black, because there are even, I've had conversations with white people who are just like, what is Coffee Black? Is it just for black people? Is this, you know, there's so many questions about, you know, like, it, can I be a part of this if I'm not black? Which has been a huge question. Uh, and the question, the answer is always yes. Um, one, because we will always take your money. Uh, <laughs> your money does not have to be black. It has to be green or digital. Um, but no, I think it's this idea of people understanding inherently who they are. Yeah. And that yeah. overall people don't. Like, I've had conversations with white people, and it's kind of a weird conversation to explain to them, yeah. like, you know, we're, we're, we're reclaiming our heritage as black people. Like, coffee is black. Um, and in that you can find things in your heritage that you can actually claim that's actually yours. Yeah. That doesn't include <laughs> lands, that's people, actually... <laughs> foods and cultures if right. you get the drift. Yeah. And so I've honestly had and I the funny thing is I've had a, a, a I mean, he's probably like forty two. Forty two year old white man with two kids tell me no one has ever told me to to basically claim my heritage right like he's like nobody ever gave me permission to do that which is sad yeah. you know that's sad that you don't get to experience that but i think in 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 what we're building is is a new norm and it can apply are we talking to white people in 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 you know specifically in that no um but, but it's a principle that we want but it's a principle it's a principle and i think so many people are just wandering and just like i have no yeah. earthly clue you know i've no earthly clue what i'm doing and i've never had permission nobody's ever told me i just inherited this stolen land i inherited these stolen people i inherit you know yeah. and never got a chance to take and i'm this isn't me saying like whoa is white people but i'm saying like that's the issue we're facing right now is that we have a group right. uh, we have so many groups of people who never um who never understood your identity is not wrapped up in these positions that you have or these even this idea that you have of who you are is warped you know and i think in, in having these conversations and in talking about coffee black i've gotten so many opportunities to tell i mean it's been great talking to black people about it because they're like oh man that's all right you know because yeah. people know this is coffee's been a part their grandma drinks coffee every morning most likely yeah. <laughs> you know everybody has somebody who who drinks coffee and it's so cool to see this is something i can claim in a world of things especially as a black person that I'm being told was never mine or I don't deserve it or I need to just go back to wherever I came from because I'm in the way or I just, you know, I was never meant to be a part of this narrative. It's so cool to be, to hear something that this was actually meant to be a part of our narrative. 
and like we're taking it back and we are treating it as so and, and we're moving forward with it like and there's no stopping it, you know? And I think if there were so many, I, I, well, and I think there are, I think it's, it's growing now and seeing kind of like the waves across the world, but just like, if there were more things that we could claim, um, that we would reclaim that were originally ours and not in this, like, not in this uh, golem like <laughs> obsessed, you know, obsessive, um, uh, almost, you know, almost like to your own detriment, but in this way that builds up a hope that was lost in a people. I mean, from the existence of a country, you know, to start rebuilding that and be unapologetic about it. Um, yep. I mean, I think I think it's unnecessary. It's a necessary conversation. Yeah, I think I think this goes back a lot to what. Um, kind of one of the foundational stories that you told about asking questions and how vulnerable it is to actually ask a question. Yeah. Um, but it just, it, it, but it, but at the same time to ask a question and also almost admits to like, I don't know this thing that's happening around me. Let yes. me question what's yes. happening around me and say like, Hey, why is this this way? Why is that that way? Um, I also wrote that down just because it touched me really deeply as a person who interviews people. I'm like, oh, that's why I like asking questions um, because I like right. that that process. But it also just kind of speaks to this idea of like centering yourself in, in your own space. And maybe I'm getting a little bit weird, but like like you like we were talking about earlier, people open up coffee shops with no intention, and it's because they don't know how to ask questions around about the world around them because they've never really had to. Come on now, you better preach. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm learning this from you, so yeah. that's such a great way to like explain that. Because people, okay, so white people ask me all the time, "Yo, how can we like? How can especially?" And this is probably my least favorite interviewer question because it censors whiteness and because it's just like I think it's the opposite of what they intend when they're trying because it's trying to be a very humble question, but it mm -hmm. comes across extremely arrogant. Um, how can how can specialty coffee be more welcoming for black people? Or how can specialty coffee, how can we get more black people in specialty? Like some iteration of that question. Mm -hmm. I hate that question. Mm -hmm. The reason why I hate that question is because that question assumes that 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 black people are not a part of specialty coffee. Yeah, and, and even yeah. worse, it assumes that, that that black people need specialty coffee. To be yeah, yeah. 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 The, you need black people. Yeah. Because you're you're you obviously you went over there and stole something from them, so you must need like it's like you know what I mean. It's like what, I mean we see it in the commercials, right? So they'll be selling something as dumb as like deodorant, and yeah. there's a hip hop beat in the background. Yeah. yeah, Sprite commercials. LeBron James is on a Sprite commercial. Like you need black. Yes. Your your product does not work without the products of black people or without black neighborhoods to without literally the culture without... <laughs> of black people yes. like the whole yes. livelihood of a black person your product your your livelihood depends on it and it has since the beginning right and right. so for you to say hey we're doing fine over here because we obviously created this entire system yes on we're our own backs here with your whole culture <laughs> right on our own backs and we play our own music in our coffee shops yes. and, you know it's it's yeah it's really we we have graffiti walls that reflect <laughs> european culture <laughs> yeah it's like yo if i think the the, the a much better stance is saying like 
yo, how can we be in community with people? How can we be in honest and, and authentic community with people who we've already like disrespected and stolen from? Like, I think that's the yeah. question. Like, people go into black neighborhoods already. They just don't ask questions when they show up. They just show up and take. Like people use black products already. They just don't ask questions when they do it. They just show up and take. Well, you know what I even, mean? We were, it, that reminds me, we were in, my husband and I did a program and there was a conversation at one point um, about the same question, about making it more welcoming. Um, and it was the whole people of color thing, which I feel really weird about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, the conversation was just like, what are some things? And there were, there were very aesthetic um, solutions to some of the questions that I was like, whatever. Um, but ultimately um, my question to my question, and I don't want to say too, too much, yeah. but my question was um, where is, where's your heart towards black people? We're not talking about colored people, sorry, people of color. <clears throat> uh, we're not talking about people of color. We're not talking about, you know, and, and while that is a conversation, your real question is, your real question is why don't black people work in this space? That's your yeah. real question. Mm -hmm. And my real question to you person um, is why don't you love black people? Yeah. Where is yeah. your heart? towards black people in and, and this person said that that question had never been been praised to them ever like it never been presented to them and the issue with it is not that it's never been I'm, I'm sure there are thousands and millions upon millions of people who that question has never been presented to but when your your main um the main population that you're serving is black and brown people and no one has ever said, hey, before you start serving these black and brown people, where's your heart towards serving these same black and brown people yeah. as the leader, as the creator or whatever? Um, and the fact that that hadn't been a question and you haven't had conversations, you hadn't previously had conversations with people of color before, before you even got to this point, you know, and, and that it, it just presumes so much um, to say that, you know, this, we, we, it's almost like um, an affirmative action conversation, mm -hmm. an afterthought, like a, like, a, you know, yeah. and not necessarily like, it's almost like a, a seat at the table versus, well, let me come to your table that you're already, that you're building. Right. Instead of you have to meet me at my table, just realize that other people already have supplies. Like there are so many people mm -hmm. who have their own supplies. And you keep going over and, and taking their and supplies. And you keep taking their supplies. <laughs> right. right. Um, I, I, I feel bad because I'm like, I have a hundred different things I want to talk about, but I also want this episode to be a like that is um, digestible because yeah. we could keep going for a while. But before we wrap up, um, is there anything that you want to talk about or you'd want people to know about the two of you? Man, um, I, I definitely feel like what I would say to people is like, I think community is essential and I'm not sure like what type of community is essential for the work, but specifically when you're doing the work of seeking to do like liberative work like liberation work i think community is essential prior to doing the work and that like realizing who we are supposed to be 
as a person and like realizing that in community with another human being, I think is really essential because like if we are not experiencing liberation ourselves, trying to then replicate that process on a community scale, I think is, and I think at the end of the day, it's healing, right? Like if you're not going through the process of healing, I think it, it makes it really difficult to go then and teach other people how to liberate and heal themselves if you're not experiencing that connection and reconnectivity um, on a microcosm. And I think like we just live in a world where we do a lot of social media activism. Like there's a lot of like tweeting about things and canceling people and hashtags. And I think there's very little work of actually rebuilding real communities. You know what I mean? Like actually going about the process of restoring humanity, hu- hu- humanity's connection and destiny uh, within a localized space, like these five people what, what is our common purpose and how can we achieve that together? You know what I mean? And how yeah, well, we I think, yeah. And you two really kind of embody that in a way just by talking about like how the foundation of your relationship works. Um, it seems like there's like a lot of safety and a lot of liberation just in that. And like, this is the bond that we've established between the two of us. And like, look how much freedom that's kind of given. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's why community is important to to establish the work that you're already doing. I think to kind to kind of piggyback to what uh, my husband was saying, um when he mentioned, "Hey, this might be the way we live." That wasn't new new news to me. Yeah. And it wasn't going to be a new lifestyle to me. I was already, you know, I was already about that life. And so it, we weren't everything to each other, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people um, a lot of people depend on or they're waiting for that person to be their quote unquote completion. I mean, we, we complement each other. Yeah. Um, and there are some ways that I have, I have found healing in our relationship from, yeah, yeah. from past relationships or from past wounds, but he, he, he's not the completion of me. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, um, miss that looking for that, even in, even in the work that they're doing and they, and, and they miss it. And so either you miss the person or you miss the work. And I think something that we were even talking to one of our friends about the other day is like in seeking that person or in that work that you're doing, do the work, be faithful to do the work and, and see who's doing the work with you. And that's, that's who you, that's who you mm-hmm. partner with. And that can be a partner as just like a business partner. That can mm-hmm. be a husband. That can be a, a, just a partner. That can be a friend. That can be a, a love. Yeah, interest. But it's some type of community. But it's a, it's community. a, it's a community and it didn't depend on just you. Like you already were doing work. You already had a community. And I think we both came into this work having, having had prior exposure but also just like having a a passion for that like Mm -hmm. for for people and for um identity and heritage um and and just knowing like your your value as a person we both Mm -hmm. came in we already had that like that was that was that was basic you know it was just the bottom level and so and so yeah we um having that it made it a lot easier to just like transition into the work that we, that we've started to do now. Yeah. Not even started, mm-hmm. but we're continuing right now. Yeah. This is not, yeah. we've done it for a while. Thanks. Well, I, I hope people listen to this and I don't know, think about themselves, I guess. I, that, that, that's like a weird way to phrase it, but something that I feel that you both touched on is just like you both 
you both had this deep sense of self or at least a sense of self enough to like see yourself in the world, ask questions and kind of like root yourself in what was happening around you. And I think it's really easy to just kind of like move through the world without asking questions and not really know like who you are as a person, which feels like an attack on everybody listening. But, um, (laughs) but I think, but I think listening to this made me, made me feel like I need to like, like it's so powerful to just like know yourself and start really simply and just like really think like, what am I about? Like, what am I, what am I working towards? And like, what, what world have I built around me? And is it what I want? And just asking Mm -hmm. questions and being vulnerable is really powerful. So thank you for both being on the show and thank you for being so candid and honest. I love this conversation. I want to keep having it. We will probably keep talking after I stop recording, but (laughs) before we do that, um, is there anything you want to plug or promote or just anything that we should be watching out for? Yeah. Keep your eyes tuned. We have really missed, like when we talk about really doing the work, um, I think one of the things when we talk about this liberatory experience, like my wife has kind of like, she's our breadwinner right now. So I've been, since December, really working on Coffee Black uh, since the school that we helped start close. And so my wife has had to do that, but she's actually in the process of like feeling like she wants to pursue her specific like graphic design and calligraphy again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so be on the lookout for Brown Girl Lettering and, and more products, more posts from her. Go follow her. She's super dope, uh, way smarter than me. Uh, so <laughs> if you like anything I say, it would be better coming from my wife's mouth. Uh, and then we have a um, we've really missed also being able to create around coffee in community uh, and create community around coffee um, in our specific communities and so we're looking at launching um, a virtual version of the brew up experiences that we've done and if you follow us you're probably familiar with that but it's like Mm -hmm. a community coffee cipher where we uh, kind of build and explore culture and art together and so those that's going to be launching. We're having our first uh, demo one with some friends from uh, Chicago in August. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Tomorrow is our music video. Yes. Our second? Is this our second? Yeah, our second. Our second video that ourselves. we shot. And this one, we had some new tech. And yeah. so we were kind of nerding out. I was. I yes. really enjoyed it. <laughs> so that'll be coming out. What time is that tomorrow? Tomorrow at 11 a.m. 